we're going to talk about a subject called the tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses from the Old Testament, from the book of Exodus. And there's a reason. This is not just an academic teaching about Old Testament truth. We're going to bring it forward into New Testament truth and application into your life in 2012 and beyond. In the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verse 8, if you'll turn with me, Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, this is what is stated. This is God speaking. He says, And let them make me a sanctuary or a tabernacle, that I might dwell among them according to all that I show you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments inside. Even so, will you make it. So Exodus chapter 25 verse 8 says, And let them, speaking of the Israelites, under Moses' leadership, let them, the children of Israel, build me or make me a tabernacle that I, God, might dwell inside the tabernacle. Pretty exciting. God Himself is going to come dwell, put His name there, His presence, His power, His attributes, His honor is going to be inside the tabernacle as they build this tent in the wilderness. They scoop it up. They travel a little farther. They put the tabernacle back out. And we're going to learn a little bit more about what was inside the tabernacle. But if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because everything in the Old Testament is a type or a shadow of the substance to come. Say substance. substance. We are looking for substance, aren't we? All of us are looking for substance in life. We want the real thing. You know, Coca-Cola has a tagline, Coke, the real thing. I saw a t-shirt recently. It said, try Jesus, the real thing. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 16, rather, says this. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are the temple or the tabernacle or the sanctuary or the dwelling place of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I see Him in you. Amen. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Know you not that if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're none of His? If you know Jesus, if you've accepted Him as your personal Lord and Savior, if you believe He was hung up for your hang-ups, he died on the cross for you and me, shed His blood, was buried in the tomb, and three days later rose from the dead, you shall be saved. Romans 10, 8, and 9 says, it is with the mouth confession is made, with the heart man believes unto salvation. Amen? Amen. So if you confess Christ as Savior, invited Him in, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. You are saved. You are born again, born from above. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life in His own blood. Exciting stuff. So here the Old Testament is a type or a shadow of the substance to come. The Old Testament tabernacle, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. 
And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Holy Spirit revealed to us tonight that we might understand and then apply by faith and walk in the power in Jesus' name. Those in agreement said, Amen. Amen. So here's what we have. We have the Old Testament tabernacle of Moses. It's found in Exodus chapters 25 through 40. We're not going to read all 15 chapters out loud tonight. That's what we call homework. We study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, but we rightly divide the word of truth. I can provide for you one day a week what you are to go gather the other six. They gathered manna in the wilderness, didn't they? They gathered it six days a week and on the seventh day they rested and the manna was provided for them because they gathered a double portion. So when we study the Word, somebody feeds us once a week, but then the other six days of the week we get into the Word ourselves and we go gather our manna, don't we? You have the Holy Spirit in you and need that no man teach you because the anointing of the Holy Spirit teaches you Himself. And even tonight, He's teaching you as words come forth from my mouth, He's teaching you through me, and He's also confirming and separating truth from error. Because you have the Spirit of truth in you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So here we go. In the Old Testament tabernacle of Moses, there was an altar of sacrifice. What they would do is they would take a bullock or a ram or a lamb, and they would come and they would have horns on the altar, and they would walk up a ramp, and they would kill the blood sacrifice and they would burn it and it would become a sweet-smelling sacrifice unto God. Say type. type. Say shadow. shadow. Say, aren't you ready for the substance? So we've got to get from the types to the shadows to the substance. We're going somewhere tonight. We're on a journey. Will you walk with me? So here we have the altar of sacrifice. So here's what would happen. They would sacrifice the animal. The priest would sacrifice. And this is in the outer courts that this would occur. Here's the inner courts and here's the holy of holies. In the outer courts they would sacrifice the blood sacrifice. Then when they were done they would come to the water laver. And they would dip their hands in the water laver and they would wash the blood off their hands. Now once the sacrifice had been given... They cleaned themselves with the water. They were now ready to step from the outer courts into the inner courts. In the inner courts, there were three more pieces of furniture in the tabernacle. There was the table of showbread. It had 12 loaves of bread on it. And each loaf was symbolic of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. There was also a seven-fold candlestick that the oil had to be replaced daily and it burned and it lit up that compartment in the tabernacle. And then there was also an altar of incense where they would cause incense to be burned that would bring an incense that was an aroma up unto God. Now here's what happened. After they did the altar of sacrifice. They were cleansed with the water. Then they came in and began to tend to the table of showbread. David, where are you going with this? This is great information, but how does it apply? I'm glad you asked. 
Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, because remember, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. They fit perfectly as puzzle pieces into each other. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Repent, therefore, and be baptized. Repentance in the Old Testament involved a blood sacrifice. But in the New Testament, the blood sacrifice was Jesus. The Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world. He gave His life for you so that you no longer have to sacrifice the blood of goats and sheep anymore. One sacrifice for all mankind. In Israel, Jewish families often raise a lamb. And they raise that lamb like we would have a pet, like a dog or a cat. And they would become close, the children would become close with that lamb. And there would be a time in a Jewish family's life where, unlike America, where children never do any major things wrong, one of the children would do something that would be a major issue. And so to teach the child the seriousness of sin and the far-reaching effects and so they could feel the pain of that so that they wouldn't commit that thing again and cause greater pain later in life. They have one of the lowest rates of divorce, by the way. One of the lowest rates of infidelity. Think they're on to something? What I'm about to tell you, you may not like, but the result of it is good because it saves a lot of people a lot of pain later on in life. Here's what happens. What, what would occur is that if the child did something that was significant enough and they saw the child's character was broken in this area and it needed to be mended, this is what they would do. They would say, we need to now go make a sacrifice for your sin. Bring your pet lamb. And the child would now have to slay its pet and watch the pet, like a lamb to the slaughter, bleed out because of their act of sin so they could be reconciled back to God. Tell me that wouldn't leave a memory on you. But thank God we don't have to slay the blood of goats and bulls or sheep or oxen or our pet lamb to cover us from our sin. We have the lamb of God who was slain from before the foundation of the world that we can look to and we can apply the blood of Jesus and not just have our sin covered but have our sin cleansed. David, what's the difference between covered and cleansed? Again, I'm glad you asked. If you have a tablecloth and there's a wine stain spilled on the white tablecloth, the matriarch of the house doesn't often rejoice at that situation. In fact, she's a little upset because she knows that stain will never come out. So what do they do in houses where there's a stain on the tablecloth? Say placemat. 
That's covering the stain, covering the sin. That's what it was in the Old Testament. They never were able to get cleansed. They only got covered. Adam and Eve sinned and immediately a animal was slain and they were given animal skins to cover their nakedness. Is this making sense? Yes. So, if you take that tablecloth to a righteous dry cleaner and they get the stain out, that's getting cleansed from the stain versus you know it and I know it and anyone who peeks under the placemat knows it. It's covered, but it's still there. But thank God for Jesus who made a way for us to be cleansed. And he says, I will remember your sins no more. I will cast them into the sea of forgetfulness and put up a sign. And the sign says no fishing. Isn't that wonderful? So here we are in the tabernacle. Acts 2.38 Repent therefore altar of sacrifice and be baptized the water labor and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The sevenfold candlestick is symbolic of the Holy Spirit that begins to illuminate the altar of showbread, the table of showbread, which is the Word of God. And as the table of showbread is illuminated by the light of the Holy Spirit, revelation begins to come from the Word. And instantly, we fall at the altar of incense, which is symbolic of our praise. And what happens when we praise Him after we've repented and been baptized and received the gift of the Holy Ghost and we spend time in His presence reading the Word and the Word is illuminated by the Spirit, we begin to praise Him for what He reveals and then He says, come on in a little further. I want to take you into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant's at where the glory of God is at, where deep calleth unto deep, at the noise of thy water spouts, all your waves and billows are gone over me. I'm washed in your presence. In the outer courts, it's like being in your flesh, the body of a person. Egypt, it's symbolic of in the Old Testament as they came out of Egypt under the bondage of Pharaoh with mighty outstretched hand with signs and wonders. And then they were sent into the wilderness where God gets the wild in us out. And when we're in the wilderness, we have a tendency to want to go back for the leeks and the boiled potatoes and the onions and the pots of meat. And we'd rather make bricks so many a day because we know when we're done with our 12-hour day, our food is provided even though we're under the hand of Pharaoh. But Moses says, no, we're going on into the land of Canaan where there's milk and honey, where it's a land filled with goodness. Do you want to go into the land of milk and honey of our Christian walk? We've got to get out of Egypt, and we've got to get Egypt out of us. We've got to leave behind that which we walk by sight and see and can touch on a daily basis, and we've got to move on under perfection. But we've got to go through the wilderness but God's going to get some wildness out of us in the wilderness. But if we press on 
to the upward call, which is in Christ Jesus, we'll make it through and get out of our fleshly nature and we'll get into our soulish nature, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions and get it transformed through the washing of the water of the Word and begin to get the mind of Christ by reading the Word with the illumination of the Spirit and beginning to praise Him for what He reveals. And we're invited into the Holy of Holies. And that's the land of Canaan. In the land of Canaan, everything is for your taking. In Egypt, it's the 30-fold harvest. There's some good that's done. In the wilderness, there's the 60-fold harvest. But in Canaan land, it's the 100-fold. It's the body, the soul, and the spirit. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 We're going somewhere if you'll stay with me and allow the outer courts to leave you behind that want to call you back with boredom. Want to call you back and say, I can't understand this. No, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You have need that no man teach you, but the anointing that's in you teaches you all things because you have Christ in you. the Spirit of God and His glory. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than a conqueror. He's called you in to the land of more than enough. See, over here it's the land of not enough. Here it's the land of just enough where you get your daily manna. And over here it's the land of more than enough. Where do you want to live? Over here it's Romans 6. What should we do then? Sin that grace may abound, God forbid, come out from among them. Romans 7, what I do, I do not want to do. What I do not want to do, I do. It's not me who does it, Paul says. It's the sinful nature that dwells within me. I vacillate between Egypt. I vacillate between Canaan land. Which direction will I go? Will I fast and pray and get my flesh down? Or will I eat the Twinkie? <laughs> tell the truth keep it real I ate the Twinkie today but by the grace of God because I'm anointed to teach I'm able in spite of myself you know why? because somebody prayed for a good sermon and he answered your prayer in spite of me but the Twinkie was good <laughs> So, in the outer courts, we're children in our thinking. In the inner courts, we're young men and women. But in the Holy of Holies, we become fathers and mothers in the faith. 1 Corinthians 13, if you'll turn with me, verse 11, 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to go back to 1 Thessalonians 523. So insert one of the digits God gave you on one of your hands and save that place because we're going to go there. 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man or an adult or mature, I put away childish things. 
If you want to go on under perfection, no longer laying again a foundation of repentance and faith toward God and water baptisms and the laying on of hands and the raising of the dead, and you want to go on under perfection, this we will do if God permits, Scripture says. You want to go on under perfection or do you want to be in outer courts, milk toast, milk drinking, carnal baby all your life and get in with your shirt tail of smoking. Because Jesus paid the price for you to be saved. But you're going to have to pay the price to grow up. That's right. Put off the old man which was renewed with knowledge. Are you willing to put it off so that you can put it on? Today I took somebody and, and we went to a place and the Lord had laid upon my heart to get them new raiment, new clothing. And uh, so I took him, and we were shopping. And while we were shopping, a friend of mine called me on the phone. And he said, what are you doing? I said, this. He says, that's wonderful. He said, I want to buy the guy a suit of clothes too. He says, I'll put the money in your account tomorrow. Buy him clothes. I said, I'll tell him. He says, no, leave it between you and me. So now he ended, he ended up with three sets of clothing today. Right? And... and he had to put off his old clothes to put on the new. And when he came out of the dressing room, each time he was sporting around. and he was just, It was Christmas in February. It was a joyous thing to be able to participate. And, and, and it, was just, it was just fun to be able to do that. It's fun. But the point is, if he wasn't willing to let go of the old, he could never wear the new. What is it that you're holding on to that's keeping you in the wrong piece of real estate? Shall we continue in sin any longer that grace might abound? God forbid. So now we move from Romans 6, that piece of real estate, where we met Christ at by faith. And we move to Romans 7 in the wilderness, where we begin to get the wild in us out. Where we vacillate back. Nobody here ever vacillated, did they? Since you've been saved, you got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost when you were seven, eight years old, got in the Guinness World Book of Records for being in the sin the least amount of time, and you've never made a mistake since then. Sorry, I'm only preaching to myself tonight. I'm thinking about the Twinkie again. But here's what it says in Romans chapter 8 as we lead into the last part of Romans 7. It says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? By the way, that was the Apostle Paul speaking in the book of Romans years and years after he'd been born again. I knew a man, 14 years, whether in the body or out of the body. I know not, but I was taken into the heavens and shown things that were not lawful for a man to utter. Who's taken up in the Spirit 14 years. And then he writes Romans. Tell me there's not a battle for you and me at times. Keep it real. We all battle, don't we? If we don't battle, that means we've yielded. I take my body and bring it under subjection, the Apostle Paul says, lest after I preached unto others, I myself might be a castaway, an apostate, one that's reprobate, that goes back the other direction. Demas has left me, Paul says, having loved this present world. Can we get born again and still go back to the world? If you don't believe me, go into any church in America. If you don't believe me, look on your friend's computer that's born again and ask what those things are doing on there. Or the text messages. 
We'll pull up some voice exemplars from the mobile phone company. They do keep them for two years, you know. And listen to some of those conversations. You might even listen to a couple of mine and wonder if I'm saved at times. <laughs> you know, let me share something with you. Sometimes you're saved, but your tongue doesn't know it. <laughs> if you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> okay. So when you get into Romans 8, 1, it says this, There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the works of the flesh are evident. They are 17 works of the flesh. Emulations, witchcraft, hatred, variance, drunkenness, fornications. Sounds like TV in America. How would you know? Have you been watching? <laughs> if you grin, you're in. I got an email the other day. They talked about when they grew up in the 50s that one day, they were a very conservative family, one day the father brought home a man, and he wasn't a Christian. And he brought the man into the house and allowed that man to live with them. And even though he corrected the children, and the mother corrected the children anytime they were out of line, the man didn't have to sit under the same rule book. And he began to encourage them more and more as they grew up to talk with disrespect to the family, to drink and smoke, and, and to commit adultery. And the mother and the father would just let him talk. Never corrected him one time. There was a point to where the mother, when he would begin to talk that way, even though she never corrected him, she would just leave the room. She didn't want anything part of it. But the father, even though they were Christians, never corrected the man and allowed him to live there the whole time. As it turns out, that man was not a man. It was a television. Interesting, isn't it? How we get polluted and drawn back to Egypt to the idols of Egypt, to the ways of Egypt, to the thinking of Egypt. Come out from among them and be separate, declares the Lord, and I will be your father and you will be my sons. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 When I was a child, I thought as a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man... See, you can't come into maturity unless you come out of Egypt. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Just say childish things. Oh. It's time to put them off. It's time to put off the old nature and put on the new, which is renewed in knowledge. See, you can get born again instantly. It's just a, a quick prayer on your way to heaven. But my gosh, wouldn't you rather bring somebody to heaven with you? Yes. To give the Lamb of God the reward that is due His sacrifice? Amen. You know, sometimes we're around people in the workplace and they do some things and to fit in, we might grin when they say certain things, but when you grin, you're in. You know, sometimes somebody will send me a text message, I'll look at it, I'll write back wrong number. <laughs> it's a polite way of saying it. couldn't have been to me. 
Right? You don't have to rebuke them for what they've done. You just say, wrong number. Another thing that I often tell people when they have a foul mouth around me, when we go to dine together, if they continue to have it, I say, you don't eat with the same mouth you talk with, do you? I mean, do you have another one in your wallet or something you're going to... I'm just asking inquisitively. Not accusatorily. I just, you know, doesn't seem healthy. See, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The tongue is an unruly evil. You want to get out of the outer courts? I'm going to tell you the quickest way to do it. Ask God to bridle your tongue. Because your tongue has death and life in the power of a Proverbs 18.21. And those that love the fruit thereof will eat of it. If you can control your tongue, that rudder on a ship, you can guide yourself out of Egypt. The Holy Spirit will guide you out of Egypt through the wilderness. And by the way, I don't know if you know, but Egypt to Canaan land is exactly an 11-day walk. But it took them 40 years. How long is it going to take you? So here's what happens in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Is this thought-provoking tonight? It's information night, but it's also inspiration night. See, in the outer courts, you get an outer courts preacher, it's just informational anointing. In the inner courts, it's inspirational. But in the Holy of Holies, it's impartational. It will bring change to you. It's exciting, isn't it? See, in the outer courts, you're drinking milk. The milk of the Word. In the inner courts, it's kind of like hamburgers and french fries. But in the Holy of Holies, it's strong meat. Can you handle strong meat? Do you have the teeth to chew on it? Or we have to get some baby bottles and just line you up. (laughs) Want some steak? Let us go on unto perfection, the Apostle Paul said. And this we will do if God permit. Hebrews 6.1 Not laying again the doctrine of repentance and faith toward God and water baptisms and the laying on of hands and the raising this is the basics of Christianity Bible basics 101 be not drunk with wine wherein there is excess or dissipation or riotous living but be ye filled with the spirit Yes. walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh tell you a quick illustration we are getting to 1 Thessalonians 5.23 but here's what the difference is between religion and relationship religion is a set of rules of do's and don'ts that will literally castrate you and make you unfruitful relationship on the other hand will circumcise you and make you more fruitful When somebody tries to keep you from operating in what you've been called to operate in, they try to cut you off, it will make you unfruitful. By the way, that's in the Bible. The Apostle Paul says, if circumcision profits you anything, obeying the law he was talking about, did you receive the Spirit by grace or by obeying the law? Now that you got it by grace, why do you go back to the law and be circumcised? Then he said these words. 
I'm sorry, he was a graphic preacher. I'm just following his lead. He said, I would that you would be completely cut off. Or NIV is emasculated. Or another translation would be castrated. So it is biblical what I'm talking about. But metaphors and the biblical basis don't get offended at me get offended at the word. Okay? I'm trying to give an illustration because we're going to come out from childish behavior, go on under perfection, but we've got to get through the wilderness. We've got to get through that area where we vacillate back and forth. What I do, I do not want to do. What I do not want to do, I do. When I do that, which I do not want to do, it's not me who does it. It's a sinful nature living within me. Oh, who will deliver me from this body of death? Oh, wretched man that I am. But thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, the anointed one who lives in you and he lives in me. And he says, greater is he that's in you than he that's within the world because you are more than a conqueror. Turn to your neighbor point and say you're more than a conqueror. Religion tells you you can't do it. You're a failure. Relationship says I believe in you. But there's some things I've got to circumcise out of your heart. I've got to circumcise out Egypt so that you can go on into the land of Canaan. You know, before you got saved, you never had enough money. You might have had more money before you got saved than you do now. But you never had enough because he who loves money never has money enough. But when you got saved, God probably put you on a little different pattern and plan. He began to call you into walk by faith. He began to get you to begin to give Him 10%, which was a faith act. And fearfully, you began to say, but I got more month at the end than I do money. And God says, trust me with the 10% and I'll make your 90% become sanctified. And all of a sudden, your desires for certain things began to change. You realized that it wasn't about the worldly stuff. And your desires began to change. And you said, you know what? This is about the kingdom stuff. I think instead of buying that outfit, I think I'll buy a slave out of Sudan for $35 for the price of two goats over there because they're getting their arms cut off for their faith in Jesus and I want to extricate them out of that situation through this ministry that's righteous and I want to buy slaves instead of having another outfit in a 56th color. But before you're saved, the last thing you could think of was them. Why? Because they weren't your problem. That was another country, that was another nation and it was the government's job to fix it. Ouch! Don't think it's the government's job to fix it and then complain about who we get in the administration when you have that attitude. Because if they're not born again and thinking kingdom-minded, he who loves money never has money enough and they want more of yours. But if you get kingdom-minded, your perspective changes. You no longer are over in the outer courts living in the flesh. You're looking on into the inner courts and the Holy of Holies beyond. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly or completely. W-H-O-L-L-Y, not H-O-L-Y. May He completely sanctify you or make you holy, but in every area of your life. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit 
and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. The Spirit dwells in your temple today. Where does He dwell? He dwells in your spirit man. And guess what? Though the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. A lot of information tonight. But there's also inspiration and there's also about to be impartation for change, for transformation. You're about to change pieces of real estate. Remember that old sitcom they had years ago? Moving on up to the east side to a deluxe apartment in the sky. See, you uh, people 40 and older know what I'm talking about. You others are going to have to Google it. Right? There's one back there who's 29 who's done history lessons. Moving, moving on up to the east side to a deluxe apartment in the sky. It was talking about people that came out of living in the projects and they moved into a deluxe apartment in the sky into a nicer neighborhood with nicer amenities. Wouldn't you like to come out of Romans 6? Come out of Egypt, come out of bondage and slavery and make it on into the Beverly Hills that God has for you. And I'm not talking about a physical location as much as I'm talking about a spiritual location and a perspective on life. Because when you begin to see things the way God sees them, all of a sudden you have heaven's perspective on it from an aerial point of view looking down at the situation instead of a horizontal point of view looking straight at the situation wondering if you're going to be able to slay the giant. From heaven's perspective, the giant is much smaller. From the earthly perspective, he's much bigger. From an earthly perspective, your friends will tell you that giant's way too big to hit. From a heavenly perspective, you'll say that giant's way too big to miss. Turn with me, if you will. Because we're going to look at the difference between obedient faith, experimental faith, and commanding faith, and we're going to close. Because in the outer courts, it's obedient faith. In the inner courts, it's experimental faith. And in the Holy of Holies, it's commanding faith. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Because this is where Peter started. And this is where you and I start. We all start equal at the foot of the cross. There's no shortcuts in the kingdom. If you think there's a shortcut, it might cost you longer to get there. The quickest way to get there is to repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to fast and pray as you read the Word, as the Holy Spirit illuminates, begin to praise Him, and now you come into the presence of God in the Holy of Holies where you're no longer asking, you're no longer seeking, but you knock and you're invited in to the King's table and you are transformed into the same image and likeness of Him by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, We with all unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord. We, we are changed into the same image and likeness as we behold Him. 
See, when you look at your problems, you don't become like him. When you look at other people with gossip and bitterness and backbiting and slander and strife, what well, he said and she said, and well, he didn't do this. Are you ministering the accuser of the brethren, spirit for the devil, or are you ministering the spirit of intercession with Jesus? The only time you're to look down on your brother or sister is when you're bending over to help pick them up. You might have to get some Christians off of them who are pointing fingers. Sometimes throw some elbows in love. Right? Get them up, dust them off. See, religion looks at the problem, relationship looks at the solution. Religion says they can't and you put them in a set of rules and regulations that keep them in bondage. They have to earn their way back in. But relationship says, prodigal son, kill the fatted calf for him. Prodigal son, give him a coat of authority and responsibility. Give, give him a ring of authority. Put shoes on him. He's no longer a slave. Give him the American Express black card. Charge it, brother. You're a born-again shopper again. You're in my kingdom. But religion says, Dad, you never did that for me. I've been good. Let me tell you all the things that I've done. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't chew. I don't go with the girls who do. You never did that for me. He's been out in the pigsty. How can you give him all that stuff? Because religious people do not understand grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, right? But now that grace has abounded to bring us back, shall we sin more that grace might abound? God forbid, come out from among them. We love Him because He first loved us. To much is forgiven. Much is indeed loved. Who will love more? The one that's been forgiven more? Or the one that's been forgiven less? The one who's been forgiven more. Religion keeps you down. Relationship draws you to a higher level. Amen. 